Okay. I feel that Cole was responsible for opening up most of the restaurants downtown. When we started our job campaign, there was no black working from 12th Street all the way down to the river, except as elevator people and cleanup people. And that picture was changed greatly through the activities of CORE. Uh, job opportunities. Job opportunities open up the down, and Jefferson Bank was the crucial one of the crucial uh, points in that area. Uh, it had made its money off of blacks, and had no blacks working in the places in the black neighborhood. So, and it was the hardest thing to change. <laughs> but the job opportunities were much better through core. Uh, all the mood houses were open. I think that's a direct result of CORE's activities. And in general, uh, one thing we found out about St. Louis, St. Louis is a mixture of the Southern and the Northern and very conservative attitudes and atmosphere. It's difficult to change, but once a change is made, the people in St. Louis will accept it better than any other place. So it's difficult to have a violent, really a violent confrontation in St. Louis because of this conservative attitude. But once once a change is made, the people will accept it without violence. So it's been a place where there was very little violence, but a lot of change. Uh, you're speaking of violence from the white? Violence from both parts, uh, like you had riots. Uh, like in in the Watts area, right. like in the, that could almost not happen in St. Louis. So when you say it's conservative, you're talking about the ne the Negro or the black population as much as the white. Right, right, both. Well, that's a question that we've asked a lot: is um, why do you why do people feel that that there have no been no big riots? There were some small. Small, small there will always be small conferences. Fairground parks, the swimming pools and things. But, but uh, of course there was a riot. Were you aware coming here that there had been a terrible race riot in East St. Louis in 1917? Did you hear that from anybody? I've never heard that. That's a very awesome. All right. But I was, in, I was involved in the fairground park Were you? <laughs> Tell me about it because uh, I, I, this this was one. Ex explain what it is. Uh, it was a all whites live in that area. It was a big swimming pool and fairground. What area public. is it? Where is it? Where what area are you talking about? I'm talking about the Fairgrounds Park area. It's, it's uh, the area bordering Vanavena Grand and Natural Bridge. And uh, what's the street, Margareta, in that area? Mm -hmm. Huge swimming pool. And, uh, blacks just didn't use the park, but it was a St. Louis City public place. Mm -hmm. So we decided to go swimming over there one day. <laughs> because you wanted to try it out, or you just wanted to go swimming? Was we this wanted. Part of we course? wanted. To we wanted to integrate the place. Mm -hmm. It was a segregated place, mm -hmm. but it was owned by St. Louis. And I was the black that was going swimming that day. Mm -hmm. 
and really, this is the only time I've ever had that experience. The people didn't bother you, but they they came around and looked like you, you know, like you go to a zoo and look at Marcus and the and you could actually feel the hate from these people, just like you feel heat waves. You could feel the hate from these people, and that was, that was a scary thing. <laughs> I was glad when we moved into that project. <laughs> so but, what happened? Uh, Did you go in the pool? Went in the pool and went swimming. This is where, when the white crowd surrounded the place, you could feel the hatred from these people, like waves coming in after you. There was a newspaper clipping I, I had at home. I didn't know this was going to come up, where there were two young uh, boys that had gone swimming, I believe, also. Um, well, was I, it wasn't that day I was there, but mm -hmm. I was I was the only black in the pool at that point. Mm -hmm. But you could feel after it. that, I could. I, that, that's why I'm emphasizing that I could. I didn't know you could feel hatred, but you can. <laughs> and you'd never felt it. I had never felt. I've been in situations where. People were belligerent and almost violent, but I never felt like heat waves coming at you. Hate waves, as you So what did you do? Did you get out? Well, no, we spent the time that we planned to spend there, and then we left. You had a plan? Yeah. Wh who were you with? Uh, some of the other white members in corps. And uh, pretty soon after that, it was integrated, but then they closed the whole thing down. <laughs> um, what are the situations that occur, occur that occurred during the day that make you consciously aware of the color of your skin? Uh, well, started back when I was little. You had to go to this drinking fountain. You had to go to this part of the restaurant or you had to go upstairs to the movie. Every day, every day facet of life, you became aware that if you're black, stand back, <laughs> go over there. Mm -hmm. Now, today? Today, well that's sort of, I think I'm kind of bold in that I will go anywhere at any time, but you still have this feeling of not being wanted in certain areas, and you just stay away, you know. Are there areas in St. Louis where you will not go, or you're uncomfortable, or you're, when I say afraid to go, uh, there's different kinds of fear. There's fear that you just, that something could happen to you uh, unpleasant or there's or just a confrontation or tell uh, me how you feel. Well, uh, yes and no. There are certain areas in South St. Louis that if I went I would really feel uncomfortable. What areas are there? Uh, like the uh, Well, the area over by Chippewa and Kings Highway and 
south across Grand from that area. It's, it's, they basically maintain white neighborhoods and you go over there, they look at you, they don't look at you. <laughs> you feel them looking at you and that, that sort of thing. Are you afraid physically that something would happen? Well, I never was physically afraid of being hurt because I got over that when I was in the service. I said, I've spent my time in service. I feel I should go anywhere in this country, and I will do that. But you still have mixed feeling about going in certain areas, more like I just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, do you go west? Do you go out west in St. Louis? Yeah, I have no problem going west or north, but just this little pocket over in South St. Louis, I would go mm -hmm. with no problem. But um, where do you feel acknowledged and comfortable and at home? Where? Mm -hmm. In St. Louis. Uh, Just about anywhere in St. Louis or St. Louis County, except this little, little spot over here that I mentioned over. In right, but if I said what part of St. Louis is really home to you? Oh, uh, okay, I'd say uh, near North St. Louis, That's our University City. And what do you define as near, near North? Uh, near from. Uh, Kings Highway, Natural Bridge area, and all throughout the River Road, Goodfellow, like all that. Uh, where do you see people of different color interact with each other in St. Louis? Where do I see that? Mm -hmm. uh, basically, around the universities, you still don't have uh, a lot of interaction. Um, and where, what areas are you least likely to see people of different color interact? Uh, again, it's uh, in the South St. Louis area that I mentioned, Chippewa, below Grand. Although it's still it's black, some black live in that area. Yeah, let me ask you this, Walter. Uh, you said you've been over there, so you you know that the way you feel because it's happened to you. You feel that they look at you. You know, you know you're being looked at. Um, do you feel that many blacks would give that answer because they've been over there and they've this, they've had the experience, to, or they just hear it? I think they've had the experience. You think that they've had the experience? Okay. Um, do you feel that St. Louis is uh, unique in its racial attitudes and experiences? Because a lot of people say St. Louis, and you said it before, is a, sort of the most northern city in the South type of. Well, I, I think it's unique in the sense that. Like I mentioned, it is a conservative city, black and white, difficult to change, but once change is made, people accept it without, without too much bother. How do you f 
feel about race relations today here? Uh, well... I mean, have your attitudes changed? Do you feel others have changed? Well, I don't know exactly what you mean. I, I think it's an unnecessary waste. I think people ought to be more universal rather than But do race. you think they are? I mean, how, have things changed? Do you feel a change in people's attitudes? Besides well, I, South, that area of South St. Louis, like when you go down town or when you go... Oh, definitely. I, I think there's been a, a big change. I think it's still some change, some more, some more positive changes can be made, but I think there's no question about it that they have done a change. Mm -hmm. And uh, your attitudes and, and other people's? Um, what's different? Well, I think people are more ready to accept another person. Or, whether it's religious background, whether it's racial background, uh, they're more open, uh, more interaction. People work more with each other. On the job. Too. On the job, on the job. Uh, blacks are working almost in all types of jobs, any job level. Got more interaction in politics now, and it's, it's, it's a lot more interaction. People are seeing each other. People are going to school together. I think maybe that's the biggest help when people go to school together. They become people. You get to know a person. It's not a black and a white, a Jewish person anymore. It's John Doe, yeah. Mary Jane. And I think integrated school is help there more than any place else. Um, do you have friends of another color? Yes, I have probably as many white friends, Jewish friends, as black friends. I don't make a whole lot of friends, but uh, acquaintances. I have acquaintances and I have maintained close acquaintance with people throughout the years, core people, like Steve and George Best. Met them early on in core, and they're still, I consider them close acquaintances. What's the last name? Best. B-E-S-T? B-E-S-T. You haven't, you haven't met them? No, I haven't. <laughs> no. They're a white couple that was active all the way through oh. this, and they would be nice people to me. Okay, thanks. Um, stereotypes. Where do you think they come from? Well, I think they come from misunderstanding and people not knowing each other. Again, if if you don't know each you don't know people. I don't know an Irish person. I hear things that Irish persons are what they are like and what they do and what they don't do, and then they they are stereotyped in my mind. 
But once you get to know a person, that stereotyping goes away. So the key to doing away with stereotype is for people to get to know people. And until you do that, I don't think you can get away with it. Um, how do you feel the role of the media in St. Louis, whether it's the radio or the television or the newspaper or the St. Louis American or, or the Post-Dispatch, how do you think that they have, um, what role have they had in either cementing or separating? Well, I think the two they have had communities, black and white. I think they've had a bigger role in separating the community by personal experience and by <laughs> the black and the white people, like the white newspapers and the article was in the paper the other week. It was about the drug dealers being caught in their named areas, Chippewa area. They didn't say South St. Louis. They named about five different women and men that were white that were caught in drug dealing. And they named the streets. If it had been in North St. Louis, they would have named these five people and said, in North St. Louis, in the Walden Park area, you know. But they don't, this, the papers are very guilty in setting neighborhoods and making some bad and making some good. And a sterling example is Shoto, now Market Street is a dividing line from in St. Louis from south to north. Market Street. Market Street. That is the dividing line. It's 100 north and the next is 100 south if you're going south. Okay. Blacks have moved Shoto and they moved over towards Lafayette. Now, the newspapers, as far as newspapers reporting, North St. Louis goes all the way to Arsenal Street. I don't know whether you realize that or not. But anything that's happened that's bad and that's involving blacks, even all the way over to North Austin Street, they call it North St. Louis. So the, 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 so this the, is the news, the media continues. The blacks are now moving. Moving south. wherever the blacks move, they move south, but oh. they still keep that area north. <laughs> so, so now Market Street's moved north, right. further north. Because more blacks are moved over. Shoto and Lafayette now, and so they South report Saint that as North St. Louis now. Arsenal Street and North St. Louis? Arsenal Street is North St. Louis, as far as the newspaper reporting is concerned. How do they do it, though? They don't say they, they Arsenal Street and North, North St. Louis, do they? I mean, do they? I'm asking. How do they? If, if they apprehend a drug deal on Lafayette, mm -hmm. and maybe a person got killed in the process, they said they Black. report this news, mm -hmm. and it happened in North St. Louis. Oh, on a, but they, oh, I <laughs> but see. But it's in Lafayette, yeah. which is South St. Louis. In, and I just pointed out where, yes. this was a few days ago, where a big drug group was apprehended in South St. Louis. They didn't never say South St. Louis. 
They named the streets, they named all the people that was involved. They put their pictures in the face, but they did not say South St. Louis. And advertising also has a lot to do with what keeping things under control. I can remember when we were speaking in South Famous and Bar for something. The Argus, which is one of the biggest black paper. Famous and Bar prints ads in that paper by the pages every week they used to. And they got the editor of the Argus newspaper to work against what Cole was doing to Famous and Bar. <laughs> exactly how it was done now, but he printed news about a uh, core that was considered detrimental in his paper because famous Bar told him to do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was Mitchell? No, nah, this wasn't, it, it wasn't, it was the guy that paid, he owns it, but he wasn't the editor of it at the time. It was, uh, uh, He's, uh, he's passed now. He was, he, was, he was a very smart black man. And they got him, he got him to control a large area of what the black St. Louis people were thinking because they put ads in the paper. In fact, they hired a public relations firm uh, to work with the editor of the Argus to try to move over situations to keep things from happening in a positive manner. Fleshman was, was the public relations. I guess he's still Fleshman. around. I guess he's still around. Al Fleshman? Uh -huh. He's still. Al Fleshman. Fleshman got next to the Argus editor. Oh, the hell is his name? I can't think of it now. Can't think of anybody. So Fleshman was working. The editor of the Argus was working under Flashman to smooth things over in this area, especially where Famous and Bob was concerned. Keep. What would you like to talk about that maybe I haven't touched on? Ah, uh, you touched on. Uh, most everything, I think, that I could contribute. I don't know whether I've said the things you wanted to say. No, you've done to, just fine. I, I just, uh, there's sometimes that I like, to, I always like to ask that question because mm -hmm. sometimes people come with the idea of what they want to say and maybe I didn't hit it. And I want to be sure that I did. No, I, I wanted to mention, uh, well, I might mention this phase of my activity at the post office. Mm -hmm. I do, I want to know. Uh, I had to work quite a few years in the post office because I aspired to be a supervisor in the post office. And at the time, uh, the tests was supposed to be the thing that gets you 
a supervisor. I was always good at tests, so I took the supervised test and became within the top 10%, which is where you would be picked from. Uh, at the time I took the test, you had politics was pretty much in control. And of course, you had to pay somebody to get <laughs> to be a supervisor. I refused to do that. It was changing, but it was still that way. And eventually, I made supervisor. Okay, first line supervisor. I stayed at that job for about five years. Trained other supervisors, acted as a general supervisor, which is the next level. At one at one particular point, there were five openings for a general supervisor. Okay, I, I was probably the most qualified at a post office job, education-wise and experience-wise. Uh, I filed for one of these jobs. Because, because of my previous activity with CORE and because of my outspokenness about a lot of things that I didn't feel was right, I would always speak out. and. I didn't stand in too good stead with him, people that were running the post office. So I applied for one of these jobs. I did not get one of the jobs. And I was clearly better qualified, experience-wise, education-wise, post office-wise, than all the five people that had got the job. So I sued the post office. Oh, did you? I was, probably the first blacks. I'm in, I'm in a supervisor position. I'm already a supervisor, but I sued for a higher level. And I was probably the first black person in the United States to sue the post office. What year was this? Again, oh, let's say 67. Must have been 66 or 67. Who did you pick as a lawyer? I had Charlie Oldham as my lawyer at first. Wait, look, look at this happened. At the time of a hearing, Charlie had to be out of town. And he told me to use Gilda. Uh -huh. And I did. That's his partner. Yeah, that was his partner. They kind of worked loosely together. And I liked Gilda much better than I did Charlie, so I kept it. <laughs> uh, but he, he, Gilda, very, both of them are very smart people, but Gilda is a specialist part. He, he hated the post office. I don't know why he hated the post office. He hated the post office. Bakewell was the postmaster. And he hated Bakewell. But he was happy. <laughs> to get this particular case, and it was a clear-cut case, okay, so clear-cut case, and I won, and they had to pay me two years or so back pay, and they had to give me a position. And at the time, uh, the blacks, I, I lost all my black friends <laughs> in the first hours because they didn't want to be associated with a person that was against the management. 
When I had that suit in, I, people would hardly speak to me. <laughs> and I knew this was going to happen, but I was a person that if I take so much, I feel I should take a stand. Tell me, uh, Walter, your black friends, why wouldn't they have been glad that okay. you had... They were glad that I was doing this, but they didn't want to be associated with the person that was doing it because it's the people above that I'm suing is going to make managers. <laughs> they're, they're the ones you got to get your promotion from. So, but, but you were paving away. This is true. So they were. They paid. knew this, they but they didn't want to be associated with me. Involvement in this, and they were, afraid? they were afraid because they, they didn't want that name to be tainted in case they came up for a promotion. See, I'm, I'm on the blacklist from now on when I do this, and because I won't ever job. get another spot in this town. See what? What? Uh, you couldn't sue again. I could sue again, but what happens? When you do something first, you catch everybody off guard. Once, once it happens, they mobilize and they do research and they find out how to combat this. And this is this is what happened. This is how what happened to the downfall of coal. When coal first hit the streets, everybody was caught off guard. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to counter it. What they did. Uh, they sent historians like you in to join Cole and to study how did it come about. Get all the information you can, and when they got that information, they knew exactly what to do to shut Cole's activity down, and they did it. And what they did was hire most of the leaders in Cole out <laughs> in in different jobs. You know, like a Norman say, you give him. A job making thirty thousand dollars a year. His day didn't go as bad. And this is what this is what they really did to minimize the effectiveness of core. Once they sent, and I met some of the guys that told me that this is what they were here for: to study the origin of core, where they are now, and where they might go, so that the activities could be combated. This, they told they told you they, why they were there. They were college students getting information, giving it to the right people so they could were come they back to these white? white, white, one black. And they did a good job of shutting it down once they got all this information together. Well, and that was one of the ways they did it. Uh -huh. They hired off all of the core leaders that would and and. The, the leader didn't even know what was going on. Well, I understood that uh, that the white, that the, the core wanted to become non, more violent rather, and also that um, uh, they didn't, they stopped wanting white people. They wanted to be all black, and so that particular. Well, you, you, had, you had all sorts of statements. That probably is not true. 
FBI infiltrated CORE. They started paying CORE leaders money to do certain things and say certain things. Uh, plus... You wouldn't mind if I discussed how you feel with other people? No, I wouldn't mind oh, at okay. all. I mean, because I, I just... I mean, I th it's possible that all three things could... My family and uh -huh. my job, and I feel that there were several reasons people come to court. Some because they were dedicated to making a change. Some because, came because it was publicity and they wanted to get their names in the paper. Which that didn't start till Jefferson Bank, though. Getting no, your name in the paper. All, all, all the time. You had, you had more coming in at that level. But you still always still you had some coming because there was the association between the races, you know, people for that. So you had all sorts of reasons why people came into, mm -hmm. and they would work. But they, then you had some that was just dedicated, and they would do whatever they could to make things better. And I think it was more of those in the earlier days of course. After Jefferson Bank, you get a proliferation of uh, the organization had become popular and, well, more, not necessarily popular, but it had become more public and more people knew about it. And so you had all, mm -hmm. more types of all sorts of people coming in. Mm -hmm. And I think the breakdown of CORE was, and I could see it after they sent these historians in to find out how it originated, where it was going, why, and how they were effective. Once they got this information, they could combat it. And they did it, I think, by hiring the leaders off. I could see it. Leaders. A lot of times, people couldn't see it, or they couldn't care because they were getting old and they were moving into better jobs. And the FBI had also was also uh, gotten next to some of the people on the national level. They never did do it here, mm -hmm. and they were actually being paid by the FBI. To, they were still core members, but they became ineffective. You know. FBI is paying you, what can you do? <laughs> but certain leaders, Roy Ennis was one of them that was being paid by the FBI. The organization just disintegrated. Let's move along to, I want to ask you about the public accommodations. When you began to be able to go places in St. Louis, where did you go? Okay. Did you, when, and did you go immediately, or how did you well, handle that in your life? Like family? I said, just review a little. When I first came to St. Louis, you could ride the streetcars integrated. That's about the only thing. The movies were close to you. The restaurants. Uh, all the public coverage, no jobs. Uh, when 
all these things change. Well, the public park, the I think the the uh, outdoor park was open <laughs> to everybody. See, that that the one was was open, but once these things began to open, everybody began to use them. People go to restaurants. People go to the movies. You, like you. All, I mean, I went to the movies. All the little neighborhood black movies closed up because people stopped going to them. Because one of the reasons, not because of the movies were there, but because it would take two or three years for a first class movie to get to the black theater. Again, when I came to Arkansas, I had seen all the movies that was being shown at the black theater. They weren't showing the movies when they first opened. Were you comfortable when you went places? Yeah. Are there any places today that you won't go, still won't go, you're not comfortable at all? No, no. I, I, would, I, I would go any place today in St. Louis and without any reservation. Do you feel that you have to give up something in some way uh, to, for integration? Uh, do, do I have to give up? No, I don't think you have to give up anything. I think there's a lot of young and time wasted. Other things could have been being done, but I think it was necessary that it should have been done, and I think it was worthwhile doing. I would do the same thing again, but I, don't, I think it's just a necessary evil. Somebody had to work in this area. Are you, do you act the same way with everybody or do you speak one way with? No, I, I think, I really feel that I'm the same way with everybody. I always felt that a person is a person. I'm sure some of these questions may sound sort of strange. No, no, I don't think so. They don't but sound strange. I, like I said, when I involved ethical society for the last 30 years, that's an integrated group. Right. Maybe 2% black and the rest are white. And I'm comfortable in that setting. I could go to a black organization that's all black and I would be comfortable in that setting. It doesn't matter to me what the composition is as long as if you're free to go and participate in these situations. Well, there's different colorations to all of us. You are of a lighter skin as far as colorations within the black community. Um, has it helped or hindered or made a difference in your life? Uh, it hasn't made a difference in my life, but in the black community, you kind of grow up wanting to be a lighter color. I, I feel most people do because that's 
they are the rulers. You know, they get what they want, they do what they want. So you tend to want to be like the people that are in charge. Literally, <laughs> mostly white. So if you're white, you feel that that sets you a little closer to the elite. I think most people in black neighborhoods feel that way, and in many cases, especially in the South, you have a sophisticated segregation among the black, the light-skinned black, over the black of blacks. You have sophisticated what? Segregation. Oh, they feel the that they are better than, than the black of black. The black of black. Do you think that's true today? I think that's true to a large extent. Still I think today, it, even though black I think it's is lessening, but I think it's true to a large extent. Even though we hear black is beautiful and even with that, I, I think that that's true today. You know, and that's that's natural. Again, that has happened throughout the history of man. I, if a conqueror in, back in Sparta and Athens, oh, they when one get conquered, they want to uh, do away with their guards or their leaders and follow the ones that conquered them because there must be something about these people that had more power than, than my leaders did or my guards did. So I think that's a natural way of feeling. Do you, do you think that whites feel, okay, well, you can be like us or you can be one of us if you... If you look more like us, or uh, are no. you? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think they feel that way. I think. I think every group wants to be better than some other group. I think the poor whites might feel that way, but I think the, the middle class or upper whites could care less about whether you want to be like them or not. Do you, do you think that you would have answered these questions much differently if I were black? No, I don't think I would answer any question any differently. Of course, they might have posed them differently or asked them differently. Is this much different than you thought it was going to be? What um, no, you pretty much uh, gave me an idea when you talked to me over the phone mm -hmm. about what it would be. Well, I think we're done, and I thank you for your time. It's hard. You had, it's hard to, when I made up my questions and I tried to put myself in somebody's place, and I, I think Man, You really must like this job. <laughs> I do, but I think it would, it's hard I mean, to be on need, your you, end of it, and yeah, I appreciate it. You, you need your kind of people to because history is distorted in so many different ways. It's, it's, even when you get all the different viewpoints, it's still hard to get the real. Well, all the different viewpoints are real. And, yeah. and there doesn't need to be. I'm not looking for any one thing. I just really want to document people's feelings. And so I'm not looking. I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not looking. I'm just. Yes. I'm just asking. And uh, um, 
I think it's there's no one answer. No. There's, there's, it's different. Everybody, all of us, do the best we can to get through the day. And right. That's about what it is. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thank you.